Reset up after going mobile uh, on Monday. Took a bit. Everything's plugged in all right. G'day, everyone. G'day, Money Miners. Welcome to the Daily News for Wednesday, 26th April. Hope everyone enjoyed their public holiday and got to a dawn service on Anzac Day yesterday. Now, today, we've got... Uh, it's plenty of, We're still in quarterly season. We've got MinRes. They're down 10% after their quarterly announcement. And Adriatic... Uh, they've announced they've drawn down their funding and we're also going to unpack the Agriman quarterly. JD, Trav, Trav's in from Kalgoorlie again. Gentlemen, how are we this fine Wednesday? Doing well. These these four-day work weeks are really breaking us in nicely. I felt like there was yeah. a weekend right in the middle of the week there. Yeah, it's good. How good is April for public holidays? Good month to start, start a business in. <laughs> I'll, uh, I will say I, I did enjoy a game of golf yesterday. It was going all good to triple bogey the last two holes and got a nine on the 18th uh, and for a neat score of 100. Mate, very I knew what you were talking about. That, that you never have played a... golf. Oh, <laughs> Just geez. a driving range. Right, boys, how did we uh, how did we feel after our uh, Blair Way interview on, on Monday? I thought, I thought it went very well. It was great to, great to meet him in person, the head dog of uh, Patriot. I thought it went very well. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was great to have the first in-person uh, interview. Yet a bit, bit more than you do over the camera, and yeah, just a, a story we've gone pretty deep on now. So it was good to to ask him a few different questions and get those responses. What about you, Jack Russell? I think, How did I you, think uh, we're, um, we're in a- uh, I think you're. Tur- I think Trav is turning a little bit. I think just a little bit. Turning. He's winning him over. Oh, I don't know. Um, I think we're inextricably, inextricably linked to Patriot. Um, for better or for worse, that's uh, that one's tied to us now. So we're going to have to keep following it, um, and it's good to good to be as close as we are getting. So I'm, I'm I was happy with it. And credit credit to as I said the the initial cartoon thing. If you if you haven't seen it, go back and check the full YouTube video. Uh, Trav did up a cartoon to I guess depict our relationship that we've built with. Hatred and Blair and our questions. It's pretty hilarious. And I put the foot down before saying, no, we're not showing that. But based on the vibe, I took a bit of a risk uh, and he received it well. He had a good laugh and he enjoyed the band. All right, let's get into it then. Uh, Minres down 10%, 10% of a very large company today after their quarterly announcement. Trav, what's happening in the Minres department? Matty, 10%, it's a big fall for a, for a major company like Minres. Um, and just to put it into perspective, that represents about $1.5 billion of, of market capitalization value. If you just look at the, the delta in the share price times by the number of shares, it's pretty, it's pretty substantial um, movement in a, in a very large company. And we, we took a look at the quarterly and I think there's, there's two big stories baked into that quarterly. One is just to do with the Mount Marion Lithium Project. So that's the project that's uh, just out of Kalgoorlie, about 30 kilometers from, from where I am right now. It's, um, you know, MinRes pretty much disclosed that there's, there's been a, a delay in their expansion plans there. They're, they're, they're planning to, to double the production there um, and, and they don't expect that to sort of come about now until mid-May due to sort of some labor force and accommodation issues. And I can certainly uh, vouch for the, the accommodation issues in Kalgoorlie. There's, it's very hard to get a bed in Kalgoorlie at the moment. Um, mining companies are at the stage where they're actually buying up houses and 
and filling them themselves. There's there's a whole bunch of low cost accommodation donger styles that are going to come online on the outskirts of town to support a lot of the construction work that's happening. Um, and there is a lot of construction work happening in terms of of uh, mine development around in and around the town. So I think Linus is set to sort of come off by mid year, and when that comes off, that might ease ease things. But I think just as quickly as that sort of comes off, you know, you might see um, some some more ramp up of, of, of other projects as well so you know mount marion though it's it's an interesting project and, and minres they didn't exactly knock it out of the park with with mount marion i think originally they thought they were going to get pretty pretty decent um you know spodumene concentrate grade um or product spec out of it and and they're they're, they're putting it out at 3.8 percent spodumene concentrate grade now and that that's versus versus the industry norm of, of a six percent product so you know the, the product that they're producing there there's a product discount um and don't get me wrong at the current lithium prices you're still getting really good money for that but um it is it is an intriguing project for that and, and what we saw in minresa's quarterly was they confirmed that that 20 percent interest in essential that they picked up that, that that was uh confirmed as you know being of interest by virtue of the fact that it can complement the Mount Marion project there. The second story is in relation to the mining services business of, of Minres. They've ultimately lowered their guidance on the mining services volumes as a few of their contracts have now dried up. It's interesting to see from my perspective if that trend is going to continue or not. Uh, what, how much would you, if you're going to split up their, they've got their lithium business, they've got the iron ore business, they've got their, their mining services business. What What is the split, the proportion of which makes up what of minerals? Yeah, um, it, it does vary a lot, that number. Um, and it varies pretty much d- depending on on what your lithium price deck is as a broker. And I think at the very top end of of, uh, of, of bullish brokers for minerals, uh, you've got Macquarie and, and they value the lithium business at about 63% of the combined groups NAV with mining services at 20% and iron ore at 17%. And that's that's pretty that's like 63% of the total business is pretty significant given I mean, rest didn't even have a lithium business all that long ago. So that's the net asset value looking forward. It'd be interesting to to see if we just broke it out on today's numbers, what the sort of revenue is from each of the businesses. Also on the mining services front. I think we should start digging into once we've once we've got this down packed into the mining services business, your NRWs and McMahons and uh, Parentes, and see how they're doing and how how they sort of see the the cost inflation hitting their businesses. And a lot of the, I guess, a lot of the contractors, not not many of them are publicly listed. So, like you know, your burn cuts and I'll say, well, Bar Mint goes with Parenti, but um, look, a lot of them are private. So, it's, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have the the data to support it. If everyone was public, it'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's right. Oh, and I'll ring Steve Coglin see if he doesn't mind flicking his figures over me for burn cut. We'll see how we go. Right, Adriatic ADT covered by JD. What's happening there, mate? They've announced they announced they've drawn down more of their debt facility. Give us a bit of scope on what's happening over there. Yeah, so they're constructing the Varus polymetallic project in Bosnia, and like you said, they've drawn down a bit of debt. So we thought it'd be a good excuse to to dig into what's going on over in Bosnia. So the the company's project is going to focus on silver, zinc, gold. They'll be producing a bit of lead and copper too, but they're they're the three main uh, elements where they'll be getting the revenue revenue from once they're in production. 
So today's announcement talks about drawing down that debt facility that they've got with Orion. They've also got another $20 million convertible note. So all up in terms of debt financing, they've drawn $130 million of $160 million. And this company's uh, London listed, but confusingly, all these terms will be in US dollars. So last week they had their quarterly come out and they pushed production to November. So they pushed that back by five weeks. And the company spoke about poor ground conditions as well as uh, winter weather just holding up a bit of the earthworks. So we've got our mining chief here, Matty Michael. So we thought we'd just- Oh yeah, it's not dig- Trav. Yeah. <laughs> we thought we'd dig in a bit to what a company's really talking about with ground conditions. And of course, this, this is an underground mine. So they're, they're building that uh, development decline down. Though- so- Oh, I should have come up with a good analogy. I haven't got any paper paper for this, but it's uh, oh, it's essentially the same as mining through a big. There's a big solid piece of rock, and then there's stuff that's just like bloody sand. You can peel it off with your hands. So uh, when we talked about Bellevue, really hard ground and everything. So the hard means it's very it, it drills very slow, slow to drill the holes, but it's very competent. So when you whatever you blast out. With your holes, well, that exact shape will be there. But when you've got poor ground conditions, you hit it with explosives, then it all just starts, you call it self-mining or over-breaking. And then, so your excavation, which is supposed to be, say, five, five and a half metres wide or, say, six metres high, might end up coming out at seven or eight in worst-case scenarios where that's all full. So that's extra dirt to cart out. takes longer. The actual putting the – installing the ground support – takes a lot longer because there's more of it and it's usually a, a stricter when they talk about the ground support regime that is means that there's more mesh bolts fibercrete and all that to go on to actually make it safe and to get the next chunk of advance so they'll be taking four like around four meters advance per cut i would assume and all that extra support dirt delays the extra of that four cut so instead of getting say 100 meters in the decline for the month they might be reduced to half that amount if they've got really poor ground conditions and being held up so yeah it does have a big impact and that that decline development as we talked about before is what gets you to the next level yeah so the companies the ore body so. they're addressing this head-on they've um come out and told the market that they're going to just reassess the mine plan look at what they're doing and and see whether this is something they can sort of remedy and change up in that mine plan. Because there is always the option of um, you can go an alternative route. There might be yep. might be a section, so they might be able to go around it to minimise how much they go through it. So, um, yeah, there, there is always a way, but there's been, you know, plenty of mines that have been developing a decline. They hit an un, unanticipated piece of poor ground and they've had to redesign the decline and start again and which is um, is timely and costly. Yeah. So in terms of cost, this has um, pushed out that CapEx to $189 million from 183 So the company's flagged that they've still got $10 million in unutilised contingency. And just to explain contingency for people out there, there's always that sort of allocation when a study is done to build a mine of money that you hope you don't have to use but is used in, in these sorts of cases. So they've got an extra $10 million there. They've also got... $146 million in total available funding. So it looks like they'll get through to production at the end of this year um, with enough cash in hand. So they're now at 70% complete on the construction front. 
Just looking at the project economics as well. So they've got an NPV of a bit over $1 billion from an initial capital expenditure of $190 million and a nine-month payback period. So if we contrast that with the company... Pretty, pretty good the, compared to the one we did the other week where exactly. three and a three-and-a-half-year payback period. With, exactly. So we spoke about Allcorp last week yeah. and I think they had a 3.7-year payback period. So nine months in contrast is, is very good. And in addition to that, there's no free-carried government interest with the, the virus project that Adriatic have. So... You might think that sound that sounds great. I go buy myself some shares, <laughs> but the market obviously has anticipated this and they see it for what it's sort of worth. So the company's trading at 0.8 times P NAV, and that's that's at a quite a, a premium to other developers out there, which which they still are. They're sort of trading at that 0.5 P NAV range, and it puts them in line with a lot of base metal producers out there. So that looks pretty pretty fair value for a company that's still got a bit of. Uh, construction risk, ramp up risk, going forward to that November twenty three first production. So, as an investor, just to highlight the the catalysts you sort of been looking out for. So, exploration assays pending. We should see them within the, n- the next month and sort of ongoing until um, and beyond uh, production. A new resource, which we expect in July. And of course, the big one, production. So like I said, November this year, hopefully no more delays on that front, should um, should potentially see a bit of a, a rise in that share price if they can get there and start uh, producing that concentrate without any more hiccups. Yeah, JD, I think that, that PNAV is, is an interesting comment. Sometimes it is like the PNAV can be um, fraught with danger when it's used with developers. Quite often the data aggregators don't differentiate between a NAV estimate from a broker which has already been risked versus one that is unrisked. And so sometimes the like-for-likes on developers is a, is a tricky one to, to to have good data for unless you do the, the manual, like pulling it apart itself. But I, th- but I think your your analysis is right on that front. And the, the other thing with, with this company is um, was, is just in relation to, I think they, they also report an NPV that includes the sale of a borite from from the operation, and I think the jury's still out whether or not um, you know the, the commercial realities of that will eventuate. But nonetheless, you know the economics are still great. Yeah, so inter- interesting thing about these project, these polymetallic ones going into this revolution, whether copper's going to go flying or like you know because this is what zinc, zinc, silver, gold, copper. It's, it'd be good. To, it'd be good to get someone on a guru in this department talking about not just the processing, but how these polymetallic uh, deposits. You know, for the processing, but will they be a zinc mine? Will they be a copper mine? Depending on fluctuating commodity prices, will determine what they're going to get the most value out and recoveries. So that's put that one in the pipeline. If anyone's a guru in that department, get in touch. We'd love to love to hear from you for mines exactly like uh, what Adriatic are building. So now we're going to get on to Agriman. So look, I won't, I won't lie. There's a lot of companies that use a pulling out for these announcements that I've never bloody heard of, and this is one of them. But I will be very much the wiser after uh, the Kalgoorlie uh, dial-in man goes right into it. A M N Agriman T R, which is on the notes, which stands for Travis Ricciardo. What's the goss cover? Uh, it's an, it's, if you don't know about it, Maddie, it means it's an unloved, uh, unloved company in an unloved 
little niche area of the uh, ASX mining sector. And they're getting your love because <laughs> companies struggle to get your love, it appears, Trav. So yep. they should be very flattered. I'm not sure they're going to get any of it here. <laughs> they're not going to get it. <laughs> uh, like I think, you know, we were digging through the quarterlies that had been dropped on the ASX and I think one of the consistent themes that was popping up was a lot of companies have a very low cash balance at the moment. So I think that just speaks to the fact that equity markets are a bit more challenging than they have been um, at other periods of time, you know, since COVID. So especially for for commodities or, or, or niches in the industry where, where they're a bit out of favor um, for, for whatever reason. And I think Agriman sort of fits into that category. Their cash balance at the quarter end is 2.6 million. And that's, that's sort of, you know, cutting, cutting things pretty fine there. And I'm sure they'd, they'd, they'd wish it was a, a bit higher than that at the moment. Because what happens um, typically is when, it, when a company runs on a low cash balance, the market starts pricing in that they're come raise or about to do an equity raise. And so everyone knows when you do an equity raise, it's at a discount. So the, the, the share price preempts that and, and dips in advance. Um, so companies like to keep a decent cash buffer normally. So with that, with that in mind, um, I think we should, we should talk about this company, Agriman. They've got uh, the Lake McKay Potash project up north. And um, it's it's a it's an interesting one because of the fact that they're going to produce potash, and also because um, it's a it's a really large capex number. The DFS that they dropped in uh, twenty twenty penned a, a US four hundred and fifteen million dollar capex um, requirement, but that was before inflation really kicked in, if we remember. And some research analysts are, are sort of touting the number now to be in Aussie dollars about that eight hundred and fifty million dollar mark so agriman have a pretty tricky journey ahead of them trying to get their project financed i think for the following four reasons you know the, the main one as i see it is that in western australia we had a few early movers in the potash space here producing sop which is a variant of potash from salt lakes here and the the two early movers in that market were Calium and SO4. And both of those companies had pretty substantial technical challenges during ramp up of their respective projects and, and respectively eroded a lot of capital from both investors and financiers in that process. So I think there is um, a, a large amount of investor aversion to, to getting back into this space and funding another developer. The second reason is Agriman's CapEx is really chunky, right? They actually need to build a 346 kilometer whole road to fully connect Lake McKay all the way to the Port of Wyndham. That's a bloody big road. It's a, it's a big yeah, road. I think they were looking to get a bit of government funding there. Yeah. To see yeah, how, absolutely. how they go with that. Yeah. Strategy is to have NAFE, um, you know, provide some low cost, long duration um, project finance style. Um, arrangement there to, to, to really chip away at the large capex and, and, and NAFE. Um, they, I imagine, has a degree of, of, of support for projects like this that increase, um, you know, ec- economics for the northern areas of Australia, and, and roads certainly go a long way to, to doing that. But well, I'll be interested to find out how much a three hundred and forty-six k road costs to build. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Absolutely. Well, it's a whole road, so you know, it's probably it'd probably be unsealed. But uh, I imagine, I imagine it's still not cheap, Maddie. Uh, no. Agriman's. You know, the, the, the other element, the third reason is that I don't think their OPEX is going to be very well shielded from the inflationary environment that we're in because their, their logistics route requires them to haul, you know, these, this bulk um, commodities 
941 kilometers from Lake Mackay to the port of Wyndham. So that's a, that's a, that's a lot of trucking, right? And, and you can still make that work with, with bulks, but it, but it becomes tougher and it's and slightly less attractive um, as an inflation hedge versus other commodities and, and mining dynamics. Um, and the, the last reason I think that things are going to be pretty tough going for them is that their major shareholder used to be Oz Super. And um, and so when you saw Aussie Super there and Aussie Super, you know, they, they do a lot to actually cornerstone development projects and, and really make a big difference in the in the mining space. And so when you see Aussie Super on a register, you always think there's a good chance that project finance can come together. But what we saw when BCI Minerals went into production for their Marty Salt slash SOP project, Aussie Super concentrated their SOP bet solely into BCI Minerals. Um, and so in providing uh, equity and, and convertible support to BCI, the way that that deal emerged at the end was BCI ended up as the major shareholder of Agriman instead of Aussie Super having that the direct um, the direct the direct shareholding themselves. And when you when you look at Agriman's share registry now, with BCI as their major shareholder, they don't really feel like a natural strategic equity partner part, partner to get Agriman off the ground because um, because they themselves are are building and, and ramping up their own project. And you know, in, in that sort of environment, capital is pretty tight themselves. So I think the size of the prize, if someone can get SOP to work in WA is still pretty substantial. And prices of the product shot up with the Ukraine conflict and they've stayed pretty high since. Um, but I get the sense that investors are pretty cautious about funding developers in WA. So it's probably gonna be a while before another developer gets off the ground here. Agriman, they have some environmental approvals coming out in the second half of the year, and, and that could be a positive catalyst for financing. But um, it's all going to depend on you know, in, investor and financier appetite here. Yeah, so I think I think the company flagged when that DFS came out a couple of years ago now that it'd be two and a half years from once funding's received and construction commences until they uh, first SOP production. So we sort of wait for that financing piece. That's the the real blocker there. Oh, thanks for uh, expanding my knowledge of the ASX, lads. Really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm happy to I'm, be your potash specialist, Matty. I am going to subscribe <laughs> as well. There you go. <laughs> Very good. Um, few, Plenty more quarterlies out. Develop put their quarterly out uh, today. We're going to do a, do a piece on that tomorrow So because we've done plenty on this today and I'm sure there's shitloads more quarterlies coming out tomorrow too. Let's get on to the recap of what else is out there. Uh, speak going from the potash specialist to the PNG specialist. I read today that uh, the Porgra Landowners Association, PLOA, so they're the local landowners of Barracks Port where Porgra Mine is. So you go back, uh, Barrack negotiated and ZGID Mining uh, negotiated with the PNG government for the PNG were taking 51% of Porgra to get that back up and going. But now the landowners are working on an injunction to impede the restart of the Porgra gold mine, saying they weren't consulted and they served Barrick with a no trespass notice on April 20. So even after giving away that 51% of the project, they're still having dramas with local landowners, it appears. So that's interesting. Uh, Capricorn Metals had some decent hits up at Carlawinda at the at the Berwick Prospect, two kilometres from the Bibra Open Pit. Uh, got KGL Resources, owner of the Jevois Copper Development Project in the northern 
territory are raising $20 million via an entitlements office. So that's has that got anything to do with – nothing to do with Javois the Cobalt? It's nothing at all. the exact same name. Different – yeah, same same name, but there completely different. Go. What, what are the bloody odds of that? Uh, WAF had their quarterly out, West African Resources, producing 56,000 ounces. And they're looking to finalise the debt financing syndicate for Kiaka this quarter. Uh, Orobanda had a lithium discovery today. They're up 14% in early trade. Uh, big turnaround for Orobanda from about five cents when Luke Cray took the helm. Uh, so very well done there, Luke. Uh, Hastings Quarterly's out. They mentioned they've hired Boston Consulting Group to assist in further investigating the merits of an integrated mine to magnets strategy. Uh, I've got Beacon have produced, now produced, 100,000 ounces at their, how do you bloody pronounce that? Geordie. Geordie. I would not have thought that. There you go. 100,000 ounces at their Geordie project to date. And Core Lithium are ramping up their Finnis operation. First concentrate was produced in the quarter. Lads, thank you very much. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thanks, uh, thanks for – sorry to keep you waiting, Trav, due to plugging everything back into the roadcaster, but I think I know how everything works now. Can't wait to have you back. <laughs> well, uh, I'll be back there next week, Maddie. Oh, God, I'm bloody very excited about that. Um, anyway, thank you. All right. Anything else? JD's took the headphones off. I think he's got the shits I'm talking to, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just try to get a bit of bear to happen. Right, I'm going to go for a vape. <laughs> so, yeah, so trap. Who ruined money miners? The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation, and needs.